Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Meir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. All right, Tyler, you know I look forward to these episodes when we have a guest. I do too. Uh, yeah, less us, more guests, right? That's right. And, uh, and so today we got Hunter Thavis, who is one of the co-founders of S1 Technology. Hunter and I connected recently and it was pretty clear uh very like-minded in terms of how we want to run a service-based business i was really intrigued with what they're doing i love kind of the relationship aspect of running it is kind of what we strive for here at mirror group in terms of how we service accounting clients so i wanted to bring him on just kind of talk it best practices where's the industry going give us some horror stories give us some like you know then then you know, make us feel better about what are some things we can do to protect <laughs> ourselves. So let's get started with, with you, Hunter, kind of a little bit of your bio and background and how you got going with S1. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, this is cool. I like podcasts a lot. So um, from here, from Lafayette, I've been here my whole life. I've uh, I had aspirations of, of leaving, um, but, but Lafayette kind of pulls you back in. Uh, I married a girl from here. I went to uh, college. I was like, that's why you're here. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it making a mistake. Um, but I went to college at, uh, at LSU. I studied man- management information systems, or the formal term for it was ISDS, information oh God, systems. ISDS, I remember that. Yeah, decision yeah. sciences. Yeah. So there was a couple of different tracks to that. I was just really gravitated towards like technology and business. Gotcha. And, um, and so in college, I was really interested in business as well. So in college, is uh, kind of showing how young I am, but it was like the drop shipping phase. Like you remember all like the e-commerce, oh, yeah, Shopify, absolutely. stand up a store, sell stuff. So I did one, and it was um, everyday carry. So you might remember like the the Instagram photos of someone they'd like take a top down shot of everything that's like in their pockets. They right. carry like their pocket knife and their keys and the watch mm-hmm. they wear and all that stuff. So I had a, a, pot, um, a drop shipping store where we sold those types of things. And I would just go on Alibaba, find these things at very cheap prices, Alibaba. do really good like Facebook ad campaigns and then sell them. And so I was like, I was always like, like trying to do stuff, like trying to, to make stuff happen. And um, while while still also being in school and yep. yeah. having a relationship I, and balancing those things, can I ask guys, were you successful? For, for time, okay, for a time. <laughs> um, I did I did okay with it. Um, because I've heard that the only people that make money in drop shipping are people who sell courses about drop shipping. Oh, people made courses <laughs> made money off of me buying courses for sure. I think I did um I did a few months where I did like four four thousand or five thousand dollars a month um in gross. I don't know oh, what wow. that was in in net um i was i was a young kid dude this is hilarious because i remember at college like when you're saying this i'm like i i know like you're thinking the same thing we've all done this i remember so my deal i'm a little older it was ebay okay so ebay was big yeah and i remember i was in the golf and i remember like man you can't find a replacement head cover I started buying, I started doing replacement head cover arbitraging on eBay. I'd buy a head cover for 10 bucks. I'd resell it for 18. I thought I was on my That's way. That's a good dude, idea. So like, what? I was like, as you're saying, like these ideas, like it's, it's you know so, what my arbitrage was? Oh, Lord, what? Fat pants. <laughs> so I had same thing. Okay. I was not successful at all, but I was like, man, big and tall. Like the you the secondhand market there's it doesn't exist like it's really expensive to buy like extra large pants <laughs> and so I was like I went to like four Goodwills and Salvation Armies and just bought like the biggest pants I could find right and then I tried to resell them on eBay just okay. thinking like that'll be my niche you know what I mean yeah. like. I'll serve that community. Yeah. Used big man pants. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> yeah, was that, it. Was that was as simple as it was. It was it, that was going to be your ticket to Vail, right? Yeah. yeah never really got off the ground. <laughs> right. I, I don't even know that I sold one pair of pants. Right. But right. Anyway. 
All right, so Hunter, tell us a little bit about, so you're from here. Yeah. How'd you get started in S1? Maybe give us a little bit of your work sure, background sure, sure. and what led into that and kind of where you got off the ground. So I guess going back to college, um, I was working for Acadian Ambulance. Okay. And so Acadian Ambulance, for those that don't know, it's I think it's one of the largest, if not the largest, privately owned ambulance company in the U.S. And uh, I did service desk for them, like the help desk. Hey, thank you, thank you for calling the service desk. How can we help? Oh, my printer's not working. Remote in, solve the problem. This is internal. It was an internal service gotcha. desk. Yeah. And so, um, so that's how I kind of cut my teeth on what that world looked like. And what a for what I'd still consider a world class IT organization looks like on the inside, and um, and in the form of a local business. Yeah. And so that was really cool for me while also being in school, learning about what these Fortune five hundreds do and how to like the the difference between the two. Um. So doing that, doing my little like drop shipping here. I did some uh like some crypto stuff. Like I was uh oh, I think man. the statute of limitations <laughs> is up, but I was buying and selling fake IDs. Um, like I said, I was an enterprising young man. And so uh and so I was buying and selling fake IDs and at the time I think I think uh Bitcoin was around like thirteen dollars and went up to like fifty dollars. And so I had like had some Bitcoin that, that kinda got left over from the midst of that. And then those those the run up and I kinda got interested in cryptocurrency and pretty much anything where like a dollar was to be made, like your boy was there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh hustler. And, yeah it was just hustling and um for whatever for whatever it was worth i i learned a lot yeah. in all that made a lot of mistakes and um that was all just in college where like the stakes are very low i don't have mm -hmm. a family to take care of and all that right and so got out of that and my intention like i said was go to a big city like i got into some target uh mba programs like duke and smu and like these ones where you go and become the the investment banker or the the uh, management consultant or something like that and that's what i thought i wanted to do right um but i ended up like I said, marrying a girl from here. And so her family's here, my family's here. And so I was like, okay, well, there's plenty of opportunity there. I started applying for jobs here in Lafayette and got a job at a local IT company. And it's local in that, and its headquarters is here, but they're a global company. Right. Um, they took care of some Fortune 500, some really big businesses here. And so I got in as a project manager there. So I, I graduated um, undergraduate. I went to work for this company as a project manager doing big implementations for like cybersecurity rollouts for big trucking companies. Um, we did an SD-WAN project for, um, for LHC Group that was wow. huge, like 800 locations. Um, so just like really, really good exposure to what, again, what world-class IT looks like um, at a big scale. And then in the midst of all that, there was, um, I kind of got pulled over to the, the more customer facing side, like doing account management, more sales, more experience, like on the business operation side where the revenue operations happen. And, um, really kind of opened my eyes back to like that enterprising young man that, mm -hmm. that I was in, in college. And, um, also along the, that time, uh, we started doing a lot of content and, um, we were making videos and we were talking about, this business was doing this for cybersecurity and this is the outcome or this is the the unlock or efficiency from implementing this security tool or um or, or this piece of automation and it started to draw a lot of attention and i say a lot of attention in a local market you yeah. get two thousand eyes on a piece of content like that's that's yeah. pretty significant traction where are you doing this where were you doing this linkedin yeah like that's we'll, what i thought we'll we'll circle back to linkedin probably a couple of times because yeah. linkedin is like i love linkedin um i think a lot of people do yeah but we're doing the videos, and so that created a ton of inbound in terms of interest for for that company and for for me to go and sit with these customers. The thing was is that this company that I was at, was, they were looking for bigger businesses, like not the, the the six to ten to fifty employee kind of mom and pops. They were looking more towards the fifteen hundred, five thousand yeah. employee type businesses, and so it, it was kind of like an amalgamation of those things in addition to. 
um, one of my co-founders, Jeremy, yeah. uh, had reached out to me, wanted me to build up his, his division of his man, managed service provider, his okay. IT service provider. And that didn't work out. So we kind of talked for maybe two, three years. And then, um, a couple of things happened at the company that I was at. And, um, again, like no hard feelings or any of that stuff, but it was a situation where there was so much inbound interest from local small businesses. And I'd kind of built up such a knowledge base of, of, of how to kind of put together a solution for something like that. And then match that off with, with my co-founder, Jeremy, and he'd done it operationally in right. a really, really like good way. Yeah. In our world, we think a lot about operational maturity level, like OML, we call it. And he built a very high OML MSP, MSP being managed service provider. And so kind of my skill set and his skill set come together with a ton of, of need in the market um, kind of created S1 technology. Right. So, man, that's interesting. So I didn't, I didn't think this conversation was going to turn into marketing and content. Uh, but, but I guess that's kind of why we're here. That's kind of how you sure. and I have met through mutual friends. So I guess what, so you were drawing leads into, so inbound leads at the firm you worked for. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of realized like, Oh, like, like you said, I think you kind of realized light bulb went off. Like, okay, I'm getting these inbound leads for a customer. That's not really our, our market. Right. Mm-hmm. This is small. So is this kind of where the seed started brewing of like, man, there's a big need. It did, and you and Jeremy kind of put the pieces together there to say like, okay, we've got the inbound. We can do this. You've got the chops to service them. Is that kind of how it started? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Because like I said, I started on service desk, but you put me on keys right now and, and have me try to solve a problem for you on the computer. I'm probably not your guy. Like yeah. we, we hire people much smarter than me to do that stuff. Yeah. But um. But whenever it comes to to organizational structure and culture and, and building a good brand and and working on sales funnels, like I'm very good at that. I'd put myself like in a in a pretty high quadrant. Yeah. Um. For those things. But then, but Jeremy had just he he had the secret sauce in terms of what it took to to put the right tools in place with the right middleware, the right automation, the right customer experience tools and metrics to be looking at. And so it was kind of like brand meets operational excellence equals S1 technology. Yeah, that's cool. So what are you guys seeing? So you got S1 technology off the ground. And now, like, how long has that been? Two years now. We oh, just wow. hit two years in April. Okay. What are you seeing right now, kind of current landscape? What does that look like from an IT perspective? So kind of tell me what some of the things you guys are interested in mm-hmm. and where you see things going. Sure. I think it could probably um, be good context. Uh, so S1 is a managed IT service provider. So okay. we take care of um, small, mid-sized businesses. So our smallest businesses are like 10-person CPA firms. Um, our largest businesses are like we've got some radiation oncology centers in, in Anchorage, and they've got hundreds of, of people there. Um, so kind of, and everything in between. Yeah. And so for the smallest businesses, like the 10 person CPA, you don't have internal IT. So we are everything. We are the phone, take care of the phones, the email, the printers, the desktop support, the, can you change my email signature? Why didn't I get this email? Is this phishing? Uh, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I guess through the lens of that or through the context of that, what we're seeing as an IT service provider is a big kind of shift and in how companies are having to conduct themselves um and how how safe they're needing to be um how how they're training their employees to make sure that they don't send checks to someone that they shouldn't be sending them to or not sending uh, ach payments to the wrong account routing number because right. someone got it sends an email to them yeah um so we're seeing a ton of that gotcha gotcha um we're like you and I kind of one thing that really resonated with me. We we're talking, and this is kind of big in my community, and it's almost like kind of full circle is this this whole Microsoft suite. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that because, like, you know, I'm in a space right now where I'm in like app overload. Yeah. Honestly, like I've got 
and, and it's almost, I think it kind of came out of, and you, this probably resonated with you, kind of that open source mindset. Like, I just want to go get best of breed, kind of like, I don't want to be beholden to one. Like, but then, and I, I was thinking the pendulum was going to swing this way. It's like, okay, now you start to have 40 apps and you start to look at your SaaS spin. It's like, holy cow, I'm spending 60 grand a year on SaaS apps. And it's like, okay, now I think a lot of people, or that pendulum swinging back. So you and I got to talking, and and this has been in the back of my mind too. With a lot of my other like colleagues and peers are like saying, "Hey, you ought to look at the Microsoft Suite again." So kind of tell me. I know that's something that resonated with me. Tell me what you guys are seeing from that perspective about people pulling together Microsoft to kind of solve that app spend mm-hmm. problem. Man, I'm I'm glad you're thinking about it that way because um, I, I think the fact of the matter is Microsoft has such a stranglehold on on the business space, the, the SMB space, or the enterprise space for for apps. I mean, everyone has used Excel and PowerPoint and Word their right. whole life, and so now Microsoft 365 has evolved into this entire business suite of products. For fifteen dollars a month, you get um, an automation tool, PowerPoint, Excel, SharePoint, Teams, OneDrive. Um, all of these different tools that, yeah. that are business enablement that are all interconnected. You don't have to worry about Zapier connecting your tools together. You don't have to oh, worry no. about this disparate app and then exporting it to a CSV and then popping it into this app. Everything lives in Microsoft 365. Right. And so um, what I'm seeing a ton of, and, and this is a, a CPA firm, um, what I'm seeing in a lot of accounting firms right now is the use in the way that they source um, all of the income information and all their expense information using um, encrypted OneDrive or encrypted SharePoint um, files that their the tax preparation people can can go and grab that stuff from there. Or what's even cooler is using uh, the AI tools inside of Microsoft 365 to parse those documents and grab the information that that's meaningful to them. Right. Um, or send notifications and say, hey, this person just submitted this document, um, still waiting on this document, all in a way that's automated using Planner and, Mi- and Microsoft Project. Right. It's... Um, it's almost a little bit overwhelming to even try to explain in like a minute because there's so many unlocks. No, my, with my mind, my mind immediately goes to, cause I start, you know, cause I start thinking around, um, like, so you're talking about like securing information and getting stuff from somebody, but then also notifying people. Sure. So I immediately start to think about like the minute somebody drops something here that I want to kick off a team's message mm-hmm. to this particular channel, to this team to say, Hey, so-and-so from this client uploaded this. I mean, right now we're doing that with workarounds. We're exactly what you said. We're using Zapier connected to our project management software, which is Canopy, to say, hey, we built we built this app. When somebody uploads a file, send it to our team chat. Mm-hmm. Now, we have the wherewithal to do that, and not a lot of people do. But even, even for people that have the wherewithal to do that, the thinking of where it doesn't have to happen like it doesn't have to I don't have to put the start party in the middle is intriguing to me not to mention the kind of like on the dollar side. Well, yeah, you think you're thinking about it the right way as well, but I mean something that's a, that's a huge unlock is uh, Power Automate and Power Apps. So it's essentially having Zapier with the most robust APIs to all the tools that you already use. Yeah. And so something that we use is um is called Power Apps. And so I have a Power App that let's say we go to lunch right now and I need to expense it. I can take a photo of it. Um, within Microsoft 365, no additional cost to this thing. This is wrapped up in my $15 per employee per month. Um, I can take a photo of it and it's going to parse that receipt, find the merchant, find the date, find the time, find who who ate lunch because I can write it by hand on there yeah. and automatically populate that in, in QuickBooks yeah, that's for, awesome. for an expense report. And it's like, it's all of these tiny micro unlocks and in a service-based business, like the devil, the, devil, the beauty is in the details yeah. of what we do. 
And it's so difficult to understand what good looks like until yeah. you actually can see and touch and feel it. And so like the, the way that you're thinking about little tiny uh, efficiencies within your day, that that's money to your business. Well, we, we were talking about it. What? I don't know. Episode two ago, I said the stat of if, if you spend something that takes you five minutes a day. All right. Five minutes a day is a, that's a half a week a year. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes a day is a week a year, like mm-hmm. a work week. Oh yeah. So if you do something like that, which I've got, I've got, I know I do those all over the place. I've got these five and 10 minute tasks all day long, but if I can eliminate them, get my time back, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I did see when, when you and I went to lunch, I saw that you guys were, yeah. you guys were, uh, kind of displaying your, your tool there. So is that kind of similar to what people would be doing like in Google app space, like in terms of the Microsoft where you guys are building out the, those, the power apps is, is Microsoft's app builder. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in, in the G suite, like it's a really robust, um, suite of products as well. Um, I find that it's not as small business friendly in terms of what what it shows you how to do out of the box. Like Google and Microsoft are the two 900 pound gorillas. They they have feature for feature almost the same stuff, but it's just a matter of how easy is it for your employees to use it and create right. those efficiencies right. and adhere to those processes that create that that don't create the 10 minute deltas in time where they yep. should be it should right. be zero minutes. Right. All right. So I want to pivot a little bit because I think everybody would everybody likes about well. What's, we want to scare some people. So let's, okay. let's talk about, and let's get some good stories about, like, give me some examples of where IT has gone wrong. And then I want to contrast that. I want to follow up with, okay, but, but all right, so we scared you, but let's think about how we can do it better. So give us some stories about some things you've seen out in the wild and, uh, you know, some horror stories. Ooh. Um, so, so I've actually kind of made a pact that um, that in general, I try not to like scare people because the world that we live in is like, it's a really scary place, man. Like this, some of the stuff that we see or some of the notifications that we get oh, yeah. or like even just phishing emails that I, that we get where it's it knows exactly like what your wife's name is and and what employees work in what division and what their their titles are. Yeah. And then they send these these super elaborate emails. And email is like that's the that's like the ninety nine percent attack vector. Yeah. That's how most of these bad guys are getting in. Yeah. But um, a story that I have is uh we, we recently went and sat with a customer that um they weren't a customer of ours, but we were trying to get them as a customer. They'd recently sent a one and a half million dollar check for a down payment for a for a, a big vehicle. I already regret. I already regret you asking <laughs> for for the horror stories. No, no, no. This is good because we're gonna we're gonna finish with a happy ending. What really stinks, man, is like they didn't do anything wrong um, per se. So they had all the tools in place. They they were doing everything the right way. Their vendor got compromised. Their Ooh. vendor had somebody enter their credentials. Um, whenever they got a phishing e- email and I said, Hey, check your HR report. Uh, just click here and enter your email and password. They didn't have two factor authentication on, which if you take nothing else away from this, yeah. two factor authentication everywhere on yeah. your bank and your, on your email everywhere. Yeah. Um, that, that vendor did not have two FA. And so they got it. This guy gets an email from their CFO and says, Hey man, I know we're waiting on that check, but we have some cash flow issues. Could you please just ACH this? And it's the exact email from the CFO of a business that's much bigger than, than this potential customer we're we're talking to. Wow. And so he feels like he's got the authority in the room. He goes and sends this one and a half million dollar deposit down payment on this vehicle, um, or this well, fleet of vehicles. Well, I was going to say, I was about to say, what vehicle yeah, fleet, we bought? Fleet of vehicles, the down payment's a million. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, well, fleet of vehicles. And so they send that off and, um, and they, they have a bit of a cut rate cyber insurance policy and they don't, they, they don't report it early enough. So another takeaway you can have is if you have one of these, these, um, uh, wire fraud instances reported within 24 hours to your bank and hopefully you can claw some of that back. They didn't, they lost it. 
Oh, jeez. And I guess the lesson there is is, is not that it, it was a tool issue or a, a people issue. It was a process issue. Right. And so a big part of what we think about is, is what is the process by which big changes like that happen? Pick up the phone and talk to them. Yeah. And so there's there's a, a million other stories that I can tell, but that one just hit me and is really recent. Oh, jeez, man. Could you imagine? Oh, it's, that's that's business shut down territory for some small businesses. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a million and a half dollars, like, if, yeah, for the wrong business, that's your yeah. Cost. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, yeah, I just I just think like I mean, what scares me, I will say, and not and, and not to spend too much on the scary stuff, but like, it's so easy, very, because it's also it's also behavioral driven. So like, for instance, I know somebody could send an email here, and somebody's working late or somebody's tired, they didn't sleep well the night before. Mm-hmm. It's just a click away, like, or or somebody's new to the team, and we hadn't. Look, we talk about IT security, and we talk about behavioral stuff, like don't click links, try to understand, like, because what gets me a lot of times is I sense the tone of the email. Like, sure. Other day, a buddy of mine sent me an email, and it was him, but I was like, he <laughs> never calls me this, right? You know, so like, but my point is that can slide by people when they're compromised emotionally. They're tired, whatever they were overworked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just happens. Yeah. I literally was, uh, I just got an email, uh, like m- my email was published on a website, mm-hmm. part of this organization. And literally like within two days, I had already gotten somebody, um, emailing the staff on my behalf and they were like, Hey, you wanted literally oh, yeah. someone comes in and offices, Hey, you wanted Get to see me? And I was like, what? Oh, and they were like, yeah, you emailed saying you needed to, to see me about something. That's, that's and I was hard. like, no, that's not my email. So so this is actually a really interesting point because uh, part of what we do, like the standard um, thing that we roll out whenever we, we onboard a new customer, is we deploy phishing simulations. So oh, we're actually that. sending out um, industry relevant to your business um, phishing simulations. And then to those that fail it, click it, enter credentials, don't report it we send pointed security awareness training. So it's, hey, you click this, probably shouldn't have done that. Right. This is exactly why. You should have looked at this thing and this thing and reported it to this person. And the people are the weakest link. Email is the biggest attack vector. People are the weakest link. Yeah. Yeah. How scared are you of AI doing this? Because that's the my biggest fear is like, I know AI is going to unlock a bunch of power mm-hmm. for convenience, but it's also going to make like, the heavy lifting of the like long con, like a, a robot Negligible. can do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So a robot can do a long con, not to go way. I might. Yeah, I know. I know you hat here, but keep yeah, going. but like it's not. You're it's, right. No. You know what I mean? Like I would have to like I could I could fake a long con via email or whatever, establish trust, make it look real, but I have to use my own time to do that. Mm-hmm. But a, a, a robot. <laughs> Could like yeah, I can just okay AI over the next three months. So you think fish these people and get you know whatever? Dude, so I get, thieves getting more. I guess thieves are going to get more efficient too. They're already using yeah. it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's I, I, they I are a, the first ones. <laughs> right, there's always the bad guys who use the tools. Yeah, the best, exactly. Right? Yeah. So um, man, this this could be this could be a long conversation. But <laughs> um, but the thing about AI is, I could do this right now to your firm. Promise is I could have AI go and parse your website. Give me a summary of everything. Everyone that works there. I see your team members on the website. I yep. see that you're the proprietor. Yep. I see who you work with. I see the types of businesses you work with. I could probably go do some research online and find out who your customers are. And I can send an email to one of your people or one of your customers that will get me some sort of revenue. And what's even scarier than that, that's just text. 
Um, and so I have a little surprise for you guys. Oh, so you, there's, there's hundreds, hours and hours of, of markets talking online. Um, <laughs> oh, there, there are AI tools out there but where you I don't can, know my code name, but continue. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can create a synthetic version of Marcus's voice oh, and, and I can do whatever I want. He's put his voice out there on can the it internet. Can make me sound so. handsome? Okay, wait, wait. All right. So show me what you got. I'm kind of nervous here. Okay. Okay. Here you go. So like I said, there's, there's lots and lots of hours of Marcus talking. Gosh. So if I were a bad guy and wanted to, to, Vish hit one of his customers. I could, I could play. I could call them and, and do this. I right, put up to the microphone. There we go. Hey, this is Marcus. You're going to get a letter from Stephanie, but I just wanted to call and let you know that we switched banks. Next time we invoice, please ACH to our new account. Routing number on that is zero four four zero seven two three two four, and account number is zero 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 one two three four five six seven eight nine. Thanks for being flexible with us. We appreciate your business and hope you have a great day. Dude, that's like, yes, it's close. It's too close yeah, for sure. But that was trained. That was trained on like twenty five seconds worth of uh, oh, wow. worth of. So imagine stuff. if you, if, if you, I would actually put in all of like, like I would have had to export all of your your podcasts dude, and put them all in. But yeah. and I'd have to cut out Tyler and I had to like cut yeah. Tyler because I didn't want to take in Tyler's voice into the sample. Yeah. So do I, this is scaring me now. I don't know if I want to call you on the, on the phone now. Does mm, no. he record this? Yeah. Where's it? Where's this going? This is going into well, a pool yeah, of man. data. Well, it's like I mean, go watch. Well, there's so much content out there about ai we can better yeah. you know you can't be scared right yeah mm, yeah i mean <laughs> no that's up for debate all right so we talked about the all right so that's a bad like you can get hacked like people can fish fishing i guess the takeaway fishing is going to come generally it's going to come through email i mean you kind of brought the next level of fishing which is augmented or or, or spooked voices and that kind of stuff but generally what you're seeing is somebody gets in through email from one of your team members mm-hmm. let's take what all right what can people do? So I've heard all that and I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, you got me listening now. What could they do to stop that? Like, what are some things you say non-negotiable best practices? You have to do these things as kind of the foundation. So there are frameworks that, that small businesses can look at and follow. The thing is, is self-implementing those things is, is very difficult. Um, like, cause, cause you don't necessarily know what good looks like. Yeah. And so, uh, what we do is a kind of a layered security approach. If you were to look up our, our logo at the S1 technology logo, it's layers. And so yep. we kind of think about security with a layered approach. And so we talked about how email is the number one attack factor. So we secure email. And then behind that, we have two factor authentication in case anyone ever gets access to your email. And behind that, we have a malware protection tool, an antivirus tool, an anti ransomware tool on your workstations themselves. Yep. And if you have a server, we have that same software on those. Then we have backups just in case that, that server ever gets compromised with what's called a zero day threat. Yep. Something that no antivirus, no malware protection has ever seen before. Yep. And so we protect against that in that way. And then, um, kind of going back up the chain is is we're training the users to not click on the things they shouldn't click on. Right. And we're training them to report the things that do get sent in. And then on top of that, we have 24-7 security operations center uh, with people sitting in an office watching for anomalous behavior on the networks to see, whoa, this Tyler's computer is talking to Marcus's computer and his doesn't normally ask for, for information that way or, or request right. credentials in that way. Right. So looking for anomalous behavior. So just deploying that stack, that standard and the way that we do things, which is actually the exact same stack that cyber insurance is going to request for you to. So we kind of work um, in a way that drops your premiums for cyber insurance. Right. Um, so it's all kind of like hand in hand. However, um, AI is making things kind of hard on us and all <laughs> these new tools and these new like progressive things the bad guys are doing are making our jobs just a little bit harder. 
So, yeah. um, so it's really just kind of staying abreast, deploying that multi-layered security approach, right. and um, and just paying attention, being deliberate. Are are you seeing when you come in a new customer like they've got a couple of these pieces in place, or because I would imagine they're coming to you because okay they've seen some of your marketing or they've heard about you've got a referral somebody else uses you what state are most people coming to you and are they like they're pretty good but they need a little cleaning up and that's kind of where you guys say look pretty good foundation but let mm-hmm. let us get you there or what does that look like when a new customer is coming yeah so I'll answer that in two ways so customers most often businesses most often come to us in uh, for basically two different reasons one they got hacked or they did something wrong. And they sent an invoice or sent a payment to a place where they shouldn't have. Or the other is we're an IT services company. So their IT provider takes days to get back to them or resolve issues. Um, They don't feel like they're being communicated to properly. They don't feel like they're being strategic in their business. I mean, computers is part of everyone's revenue operations now. Like You need a computer to generate. Even if you're an offshore company, those technicians are putting in their time and billing from a computer in Excel. Everyone uses computers. And so those are the two reasons why people call us. The state in which we end up talking to those customers or finding them is they've got like two or three disparate tools. And you kind of mentioned disparate tools earlier. And it creates a lot of um, either deferred maintenance or tech debt in the way that they either interact or don't interact with one another. So if you have um, WebRoot as your cybersecurity, your um, endpoint protection tool, your antivirus malware protection, and then you have Barracuda for your email protection, and then you have Google authentication for your MFA, those are three separate tools that don't talk to one another. Yeah. The tools that we use, the the malware protection, the email protection, the multi-factor, the security awareness training, they're all in the same pane of glass. So we can see when one tiny anomaly here that shouldn't really be noteworthy does something in conjunction with another little anomaly, alarm bells start going off. Yeah. And like I said, that 24-7 operations, security operations center is going to jump on that computer, remove it from the rest of the network so it can't propagate ransomware or someone trying to do something bad, right. steal data. Uh, we see a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it does those things and sort of kills it at ground zero. Yeah. So you, one thing that's very interesting to me is, and, and kind of I think I led the conversation with, I think you and I have a similar mind about Hopefully, how to how to service a client. So tell me what your guys' approach because you and I want I want people to hear this because they're probably used to like kind of a break fix IT mm-hmm. kind of a reactive. So tell me what you guys do, kind of what sets you apart at S one. Sure. So um, I appreciate you teeing that up. Yeah. So we're <laughs> we think a lot about customer experience. So we're in the IT business, we're in the cybersecurity business, we're in the computer business, but what we really are is in the people business. Yeah. Um, our assets are people that sit in seats, get up and leave at the end of the day, and they're supporting people who are just trying to do their jobs in the best way possible. So I think that's like the core ethos of it uh, or the core value, which is people taking care of people. And what that's really led us to be is, is a company that owns the outcome and is very proactive in our approach to surprising and delighting the customer in, hey, Tyler, did you realize that you could use Teams in this way and your your hourly employees can track their time in shifts and you don't have to pay for this other tool in ADP or Gusto or something? You can just track it all right here. Um, so that's like the efficiency type things. But um, whenever it comes to I need support with something. We don't hire dispatchers. We hire only engineers and technical consultants, the people that solve the problems. So you call in, you get a tier two or tier three or tier four engineer that's going to solve the problem. Not someone that says, okay, well, I've taken your ticket down. I'll call you back in three hours with right. with an engineer that can solve the problem. We, You have a problem now. The problem gets fixed now. Yeah. Or if someone submits an email-based ticket, 
um, our, we have a met, we have metrics for all these things like power BI dashboards that track these things. Our response time is below three minutes for email based tickets. Our oh, resolution wow. time for all tickets across the board, across thousands of computers and people is, um, 20 minutes for on average per ticket, because we think about things back to your analogy or your, your example with 10 minutes being a, a tremendous amount yeah. of time over the course of a year. Like that's, that's a salaried employee or a revenue generating employee. If we can minimize their downtime to almost nothing, yeah. we're literally putting money back in the pockets of the, of our customers. Right. So it's the, the, we are people taking care of people. It is the, we understand the urgency of what's going on in your business. And then two, we're going to, or three, we're going to set you up for success for the next three, five, 10 years, whatever the horizon is. Nice. All right. So people, so that's, that's kind of what I thought you'd say. I hope you'd say, um, better than I can say it, obviously. Um, if people would like to get in touch with you, so we'll kind of round it off and say like, okay, I, I got, I'm buying what you're selling. Um, and people want to know more about S1, about you, where can they find you? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I, I spend way too much of my day on LinkedIn. So <laughs> if you send me a LinkedIn DM, I'll probably reply to it within seconds. So. Awesome, man. Well, look, man, I appreciate you. you jumping on. I've learned a lot. Um, yeah. Um, you scared me and you made me feel better all at once. So. Oh, all right. <laughs> I think I'm leaving, you know, I'm leaving it. Yeah. Think, you know, you didn't leave me, us in despair. You yeah. Yeah. Us. I think it made me yeah. leave thinking like we're doing, we're doing okay, but we could do better. So, uh, appreciate you coming on. Sure. Thanks, yeah. Me. Thanks. All right. And as always, we got more content, more episodes at mirror.group. You can check those out there and you can reach out to Marcus and his firm there too. All right, guys. See you next time. See you.